Hey, you ready? Oh, yeah. Strap in. Welcome to the home for Bible geeks everywhere. This is the Edge Podcast with Scott Logan. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Edge Podcast with Scott Logan. That's me. And this week, we are piggybacking off of last week, where we talked about the doctrine of election. No, not the one that splatters character attack ads on every TV show and YouTube video. No, not the one that dictates that every world problem we have is a political issue and can't be solved until November. No, not the one where candidates get on live TV, interrupt, and insult each other so much the count reporter who types in the closed captions gives up and runs off to a deserted island. Still gives me the feels. We're talking about a far better election. A biblical truth filled with love and mercy and a level of kindness that is so foreign to our sinful state, it's literally not of this world. An election where a holy God of the highest level of justice can still have, according to his own desire and will, fellowship with a fallen sinful person who in every way possible falls short of any redemption or hope of redeeming themselves. When the power and stain of sin is so great that no one on earth can overcome it, no one on earth can look at themselves in the mirror and see hope. When the consequence of Adam's fall has tainted every soul that will come after and the only destination there is for everyone is hell. There is still hope in the mercy that is found in a God who, even before the fall, had a heart and desire to save some from that destination and a plan to rescue those that he wanted to save. A plan that cannot be thwarted by a spiritual force or darkness. A plan that cannot be thwarted by the flesh. A plan that in no way, shape, or form can do anything but completely with absolute perfection in its execution succeed. God cannot and will not lose. What God wants, God gets. What God rejects gets what it deserves according to the highest level of justice. What God chooses to redeem in mercy is redeemed. And let me reiterate that even for those who are given redemption, it is not because God chooses to just give them free exemption from the consequence of sin. Judgment was still dished out on the sin that they were 100% guilty of. The only difference is that Jesus himself took that judgment as the substitute so that the crime could still be punished as justice would dictate. Before God created the world and its timeline, he already chose in eternity that he was going to save some people out of love so that for his own good pleasure, he could have an eternal relationship with them. He chose those people whom he was going to redeem. Then he created everyone and everything. Then Adam fell. And then the plan was already in place. And God has been authoring a supernatural love story where at the appointed times in history, the Holy Spirit has prompted the chosen and enabled them to repent and come home. God doesn't have to erase and rewrite his love story because we sometimes fall in sin. 
His chosen are covered in the righteousness of Jesus. His chosen are indwelled with the Holy Spirit and the ability to live in Christ with power over sin. His chosen will fall and stumble. His chosen will make poor decisions. His chosen will still sometimes do things and go through seasons that reflect the life they were redeemed from. But they are still his chosen. These actions and shortcomings are not causing him to change his mind in eternity past. Instead, he picks his chosen up and embraces them. He loves them through their hardest of times. He is the father to the fatherless. He is the friend to the lonely. He is the forgiver to the criminal. He brings meaning and a calling to those who feel like they serve no purpose. He puts broken things back together with gentle hands. He sympathizes with the weary and wounded. The doctrine of election is beautiful because it speaks of God reaching out to an evil, fallen human race where everyone deserved to die, reaching out to some and still choosing to save them so that he could enjoy them by being their father, forgiver, healer, friend, savior, sympathizer, justifier, companion, and lover of their soul. This doctrine is far from being unfair or unjust. That's why we call it a doctrine of grace. It can't be understood if we're trying to process it with human-driven sensibilities and a worldly understanding of fairness. It is a plan that was put together with God's mind and his understanding only. Look throughout history at depraved humankind's track record of fairness, and we should all be so thankful that God would save anyone. That's the doctrine of election. But we're not done talking about it. We're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to go over a couple more quick things about 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, that we didn't really get a chance to talk about last time. So stay there. We'll be right back after this. Hey guys, you're listening to my daddy on the Edge Podcast with Scott Logan. Hi, I'm Todd Nettleton, and this is the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. At the height of the coronavirus, the Nanjing Road Church in Wuhan, China, was hosting an online Christian gathering dedicated to church planting and evangelism. Suddenly, in the middle of the day-long event, Wuhan police arrived at the church and detained Pastor Luo. The police officials interrogated the pastor more than four hours before eventually releasing him. During the interrogation, Pastor Luo told the officials how Christians have been passionately serving their communities in Wuhan despite the threat of the pandemic. Pray for the courage and growth of these churches in China that they may safely continue to spread the gospel. I will not let my brothers and sisters suffer in silence. Nor will I let them serve alone. Join our efforts to send Bibles to North Korea, China, and other restricted countries when you visit vomradio.net. So on the last episode of the show, we started looking at verses 1 and 2 of 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'd say that for the most part, we kind of spent a lot of time just building the theological case that the doctrine of election is even a thing. 
We talked about some of the common misunderstandings that people have about it, including the idea that when it says that we were chosen according to God's foreknowledge, that it was just talking about God's foresight. Many live by the idea that God looked into the future to get a cosmic sneak peek into who would, by their decision and free will, choose Jesus. And then, because of their choice, he would then determine that they would be his, therefore choosing them according to his foreknowledge. That is not what foreknowledge means. One of the points that we talked about was that if the word foreknowledge just meant foresight, then we would have some consistency problems in Scripture. Because Peter uses it again in talking about Jesus, and we certainly know that God wasn't looking into the future to see what Jesus was going to do, uh, so that then God could make a plan around that. The Greek word for foreknowledge is the word prognosis, and it is speaking of an already determined plan. God chose his people according to his predetermined plan. So that's the truth. The case is made. I recommend going back and listening to the full show to get the details. But now let's just move on. I'm going to look at these verses again, and then we can finish up our talk on election. Uh, so 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the temporary residents of the dispersion in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and set apart by the Spirit for obedience and for the sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. So Peter starts shooting the big cannons right in the beginning here because he realizes that his readers need to be reminded of who they are in Christ because they're being persecuted in ways that, quite frankly, most of us today just can't relate to. Now, don't get me wrong. There are many people in this world who are experiencing Church of Acts-level persecution. We're friends and partners with Voice of the Martyrs here on this podcast, and the stories that they can tell, once again, are of things that most of us in America, walking around, listening to the show on a smartphone, will never be able to relate to. That is, of course, unless that persecution eventually ends up here as well someday, but that's a discussion for another time. Peter encourages his readers that they are not of this world. They are a chosen group of people who are strangers and aliens to this spiritually corrupt world. This world may hate and despise them, but God loves them more than they could possibly understand. This world may not choose them, but God did. And this theme of foreknowledge, meaning a predetermined plan, is scattered all throughout Scripture. It's the same idea when we read things like Jeremiah 1.5, where many translations read it as, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It's the same kind of words speaking of a predetermined plan of relationship with someone. The Holman Christian Standard Version actually renders that verse a little closer when it says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Amos chapter 3 verse 2 says, Israel only have I known. 
Now, that doesn't mean that God didn't know who anybody else was or that he's not watching anyone else. He's saying they are the only ones he had an intimate, predetermined relationship with. The Holman once again says, I have known only you out of all the clans of the earth. Once again, the word has to do with choosing. Just for the sake of driving the point home, in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1, it says, The Lord called me before I was born. And in Matthew chapter 7, we've heard and used this verse a lot. Jesus is laying out what evidence is left behind from someone who belongs to him. He's using the analogy of a fruit tree, and he's talking about how you can see the evidence of someone by the fruit they produce. And he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, here it is, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. It's the same terminology here. I never chose you. He's saying, I never had a predetermined plan of relationship with you. Now, before anyone jumps up and screams, that's not fair, remember that Jesus didn't turn away people who repented. Jesus didn't turn away people who repented and loved him with the submission of their lives and obedience. John chapter 6, verse 37 says, Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. The chosen are the ones who have been prompted by the Holy Spirit to call upon Jesus and repent of their sins, and they have been given the Holy Spirit to live good fruit-bearing lives. These are not perfect lives. They are filled with struggle and failures, but there is good fruit that is being produced by the working of the Holy Spirit, where someone who has not been moved towards God is lost in their depravity and produces no good fruit at all. God would say to them that he never knew them. They haven't been chosen. They haven't been prompted by the Holy Spirit at an appointed time to come to him. Now that's getting into predestination right there, but we'll save that side mission for now and jump back onto the main story campaign. That's gamer talk, by the way. So the concept of knowing something or someone is almost always linked with God's predetermined plan. If we're saying that God knew us before he made time and space, the Bible is talking about choosing us as a part of a predetermined sovereign plan. Now, moving on in verse 2, it says, Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That's what we've been talking about here. Then it says, And set apart by the Spirit for obedience. And that's the next part, because being elect and being saved are not the same thing. You can be elect and just not saved yet. The process in which election goes from being a plan to being a reality is what we call salvation. The reality of election comes to the elect through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. You are elect forever. You've always been elect. You've always been in God's heart for salvation since before the foundations of time and space. An eternal being with an eternal mind made a choice to save you in eternity. Therefore, the choosing of you was an eternal decision. It's always been there. 
It's hard to grasp. But you've been in God's heart for as long as there's been a God. But that is speaking of the plan. Some of us in the church right now have only actually been saved for a few hours. Some longer, but the fact is that election becomes reality in the life of the elect by the process of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. What Peter has in mind with this statement in verse 2 is salvation, regeneration, faith, repentance, all that the Spirit produces. This sanctifying work, it's a Greek word called hagiosmos. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? It's from the word that we get holy from, and it means to be separate, set apart, consecrated. It's the Holy Spirit that does this with you. It sets you apart to God in the work of salvation. At one time, everyone who was elect are still a part of this large mass of unredeemed humanity. Later in 1 Peter, in chapter 2, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who, here it is, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love that worship song, by the way. You were still in darkness, There was a predetermined plan to rescue you, but there still had to be an execution of that plan. He says after that, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so Peter's saying, you know, you've been chosen all along, but you've only been saved since the sanctifying work of the Spirit took place when he set you apart from sin unto God. Now, once you're set apart, he continues to set you apart, and he makes you more holy, and that's the process of sanctification. And it goes on all our life. Salvation is a work of the Spirit. You're born of the Spirit. That's his work. The Spirit grants you faith. Faith is a gift of the Spirit. The Spirit opens your heart so that you'll believe. Without it, you can't. You'll just go on in depravity, hating God all the way to hell. The Spirit turns the light on in order for you to see and understand the message of the gospel. The setting apart of the Holy Spirit is lifelong work. You have now been separated. It doesn't mean that you're already perfect. You are going to stumble and fall. But you've been separated from the world and set apart as God's very own so that he can get his hands on you and shape and mold you into what he has sovereignly called you to be, making you more holy. Now, let's review over what we've talked about these last two episodes so far. The nature of election is that God chose us independent of any outside influence. His choice, his reasoning. The result of it is that we are now foreigners in a strange place. We love each other. We live by a whole different standard of life than the rest of the world. And we have to resist the temptation to get so caught up in ourselves and meaningless distractions that we lose the purpose of our being here, which is to be salt and light and preach the gospel. The source of election is that God knew us before time began, knew us in a way that means he had a predetermined plan for relationship with us, not just the knowledge that we would exist, but actually choosing us in his own mind to be his. 
And how does this election become a reality? It is salvation. Theoretically, if you were to die without ever embracing Christ, you would go to hell, even if theoretically you were elect. But that's not even theoretically possible because God's a way better planner than that. The point is that election is invalid until it's confirmed by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Election is God choosing that he will eventually call you out to himself and then set you apart through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. I hope that makes sense. Now, what is the ultimate purpose of this? What is the outcome? What's the significance? I don't know! What is the Spirit setting you apart to do? Peter tells us, and we're going to get into it next time on The Edge Podcast. Don't go anywhere, Bible geeks. We'll be right back for some closing words after we give some props to our friends at Jesus Freak Hideout. BRB! Like the show? Buy a shirt. Visit The Edge Podcast store at www.theedgepodcast.com. This is The Edge Podcast with Scott Logan. The Edge Podcast with Scott Logan is a proud partner of JesusFreakHideout.com. JesusFreakHideout.com is one of the world's largest Christian music online resources featuring music news, videos, album release dates, album reviews, artist interviews, devotionals, and a lot more. The goal is simple, to bring the latest and greatest in Christian music to the internet masses and beyond. For more information, visit www.jesusfreakhideout.com. You know, I really thought that I could finish my thoughts on verses 1 and 2 this week, but I want to be more sensitive about the length of these episodes this season. In previous seasons of this show, we had episodes that were almost an hour and even beyond, and I want to keep the length of these shows down for the sake of the listeners, uh, because I know that you guys are all busy out there just as much as I am, and I know how busy I am. The good thing about studying the Bible verse by verse is that what you can't finish today, well, you can always finish it next time. I do want to close with some excellent imagery from none other than Charles Spurgeon. He said this about election. Listen to this. I love this. Before salvation came into this world, election marched in the very forefront. And it had for its work the billeting of salvation. Election went through the world and marked the houses to which salvation should come and the hearts in which the treasure should be deposited. Election looked through all the race of man, from Adam down to the last, and marked with sacred stamp those for whom salvation was designed. He must needs go through Samaria, said election, and salvation must go there. Then came predestination. Predestination did not merely mark the house, it mapped the road in which salvation should travel to that house. Predestination ordained every step of the great army of salvation. Predestination ordained the time when the sinner should be brought to Christ, the manner how he should be saved, the means that should be employed. 
It marked the exact hour and moment when God the Spirit should quicken the dead in sin and when peace and pardon should be spoken through the blood of Jesus. Predestination marked the way so completely to the house that salvation does never overstep the bounds and is never at a loss for the road. In the everlasting decree of the sovereign God, the footsteps of mercy were every one of them ordained. I love that. Election marked the house. Predestination laid out the path and the timing. And salvation followed that path. It's all a gift of God that we have done nothing to contribute to in our own power. We just say yes when the Spirit prompts us. And we live in his mercy and depend on his grace when we fall. Well, we're going to keep the conversation rolling next time on the Edge Podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for listening this long and going on the journey with me. If you want to know more about the show, check us out at theedgepodcast.com. And you can also give us some love on our social media. Give us a like on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at edgepodcast1. I'm also on Instagram at scottloganofficial. I hope you enjoyed the show this time around. Someday, we're finally going to move out of the first two verses of this epistle. But until next time, pick up your Bible and live on the edge. You've been listening to The Edge Podcast with Scott Logan. Visit the website www.theedgepodcast.com for a complete list of episodes, blogs, merchandise, and more. And above all else, live on the edge.